Hey friends, welcome to Still With You. My name is Coley Browning and I am the host of this podcast. I am so excited that you are joining me for another episode. If this is your first time listening, I want to give you a warm welcome. Still With You is a space for sharing gold, inspiring stories with genuine friends about our faithful God. He is still with us. He never gives up. And often we see this characteristic of perseverance and never giving up within athletes and those who coach and train them in any other year outside of a pandemic. Normally we would be having sports more on the regular. I know that we have college football going right now, but it is basketball season to me. Every time November comes around, I'm already wanting to hear the sound of squeaky sneakers on a gym floor. While we anticipate, we can get excited about our friends who are in the process of not giving up, who are training. And today I'm speaking with a friend of mine who does just that. My friend Sagar Kapoor is the assistant basketball coach for the Pensacola State College men's basketball program, a team that my city rallies behind and loves. And I am so grateful to call him a close friend in my circle. Sagar is originally from North Carolina, and he spent most of his time in middle and high school focusing on his athletic career. As much as he loved tossing around a baseball and playing pickup games of basketball, he often felt defeated and deeply struggled with his self-confidence and carried a heaviness in his heart. Maybe your own story sounds similar. Have you ever walked through a season where you wanted to give up? Maybe you've tossed aside a dream or even isolated yourself, believing that you are a failure. My hope is not to minimize what you're feeling, but instead remind you that you are never alone. See, everything changed in Sagar's life when a friend took time to share the hope of Jesus with him. In the middle of the darkness, he experienced the true love and light of the Savior, and he knew that he would never be the same. Today, Sagar devotes his life to serving Jesus and coaching young men to be the best that they can be on and off the court. Coach Cap kicked off his career as a student manager for East Carolina University's basketball team. Upon graduation at ECU, he served as the graduate assistant and director of basketball operations with Gardner-Webb while earning his master's degree in sports pedagogy. As the director of basketball operations at Gardner-Webb in 2018 to 2019, Coach Cap helped lead the running Bulldogs to a 23-12 overall record and a trip to the NCAA tournament. This was a first in Gardner-Webb history. Experiencing March Madness with a courtside seat is what Sagar called a once-in-a-lifetime experience. This year, Sagar is entering his second season as the assistant coach for the Pensacola State College men's basketball program. There is nothing my church family and I love more than attending Pirates games and cheering on this incredible friend. In the seasons when we choose to not quit, we can watch God show up. No matter what you experienced yesterday, today you have a new beginning. Like stepping into a new pair of sneakers, you can live a transformed life, shedding addictions, negativity, and begin walking in true freedom through Jesus. I'm so excited for you to hear Sagar's story and how God never gave up on him and then how he's able to steward this towards the young men that he coaches. It is an honor to welcome to Still With You, Pensacola State College basketball coach, Sagar Kapoor. You grew up in North Carolina. Were you born, born there? I was born in Rhode Island. I lived there until I was 11. And then I moved to North Carolina when I was 11. Why did your parents move to North Carolina? My brother was not doing well with his life. Just 
bad situation, drugs and alcohol. He was trying to get me out of the situation. I kind of grew up like right down the street from like Prospect Heights, like the hood. You can basically say that. And then my dad just kind of felt like it wasn't like an area for like me to prosper growing up. So he was trying to get me to like better schooling, okay, better area, be around better people. And we moved to North Carolina out of nowhere. He just like researched it. So my dad got laid off from his job at that same time. We had family in California, and we just had family in Rhode Island, and the rest of the family was in India. So he was just like, where are the best schools? Where's, like, good cost of living? Where's, like, warmer weather? He started looking into all that. North Carolina, was it? Is it just your brother and you, or do you have siblings? It's just my brother. He's 31 now. Oh, okay. Okay, so he's older than you, just by a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Just got married, arranged marriage in India. It was crazy. Is he... Athletic, your brother, like, did you guys grow up? What sports did you guys grow up playing? My brother is not actually athletic. I'm athletic. I don't know how I became athletic. Like, what Um, do you mean? I don't know. I guess, like, the typical stereotype of Indians is just, like, they're just super smart. And I, like, I'm a smart guy, Uh but I'm not, like, stuff doesn't click to me like that. I got to work really hard at it. But I guess just growing up in the neighborhood, I started hanging out with just kids in the neighborhood, and we started working on just everything you know I had a friend Jeremiah Rabbit that taught me how to play basketball okay I had a friend Chris Messier that started like helping me with baseball and like we'd be playing wiffle ball in his backyard he helped me with baseball and then I was always the younger kid in the neighborhood and then everybody started helping me from there they were all older kids like high school kids and they started putting me through drills and in Rhode Island, my driveway, my bus stop was right on the corner of my driveway. And literally, I would step out of the bus. Everybody in the neighborhood would be in my driveway playing basketball. You don't have to answer this question, obviously. You mentioned, like, the stereotype of being Indian. Did you, as a kid, like, know that? And did you even move towards sports because you were trying to get away from that stereotype? That's a great question. Honestly, I think I grew up just, like, really enjoying sports I would say my parents were always like, hey, we want you to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. And they've always been locked in on education. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a pretty good student. But I never like felt like any of those were like my calling in life. I kind of joke with my mom all the time. I'm like, mom, I'm a doctor. Just in like other ways. You just, <laughs> you just don't really see it. The team that you're counseling, I feel like exactly. you're like doctor, counselor, yeah. teacher also from some of the things that you've told me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I tell her that all the time. My mom, I'm a doctor. You just don't know it. (laughs) I do a lot of doctor-like things that yeah, maybe not be maybe not like cutting somebody open, but just like the mentorship. Uh, like heart change (laughs) for sure. You're playing operation. So you played baseball. You played basketball. Was there any others as a kid that you played or like were introduced to? I mean, in the neighborhood, you just kind of played everything. You're trying to yeah have a good time. So we would play like kickball soccer mm-hmm. um, my best friend in Rhode Island was actually a soccer player I mean he would play basketball with me all the time but uh, randomly I would just jump in and start playing soccer with him too and you know I still remember a game like till this day like we would put like rocks in the street and like use that as like a goal mm-hmm. and then like it'd be like every man for themselves and you're playing soccer trying to like score on everybody I mean out of all the things that you played like okay you mentioned like neighborhood but like organized sports you played mm-hmm. baseball basketball baseball, basketball But why did you gravitate towards that? Basketball-wise, I would say I was eight years old, just in the neighborhood, and all these guys are older than me, but basketball was just a thing in the neighborhood. 
So I just started like learning it from all the older kids. Obviously, wanted to be like like the older kids that I was around. Mm-hmm. So just kind of looking up to them. That's what they did, and I was like, "Cool, I want to be like that." So then I kind of clung on to one of the kids that started helping me, and he basically started training me, would teach me like different dribbling drills, and would teach me how to shoot, different things like that. Honestly, just kind of being around the type of culture kids, like whether it was like white kids, black kids, Hispanics, like they were all kind of around me, mm-hmm. but basketball was just the thing that like everybody did. So I kind of grew up around it a lot. And then my parents got me into the Boys and Girls Club down the street when I was about between eight and 10 years old. Like I just got really good. I remember hitting like a bunch of game winning shots. Um, That's exciting. Yeah, it was it was cool. Like just kind of being in the area, like people would know who I am. Um, I would go to a game and like me and this other kid were like the best player, players like on opposite teams. So like we would kind of like compete against each other. Like, okay, I'm dropping 20 points on you tonight, <laughs> 20 points on me tonight. So you would kind of go at it and it was a nice yeah. little competitive things. And I think just like the highs of like making a big shot in basketball or like everybody just kind of congratulating you and things like that. All that stuff kind of like stays with you as like a younger kid. That was just my first love. Like I was always doing that. And then later on, I got introduced to baseball. Okay, this is a dorky question. Did you ever get your name in the paper? Granted, I went to a really small school, but like if you got your name in your in the paper for like scoring so many points, like that was it. In Rhode Island, I would say no. Um, <laughs> That's I feel like it's a really small yeah. town thing, but Rhode Island, Rhode Island, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I did. At least I don't remember okay. anything from yeah. there. But when I got to North Carolina, um, I know in middle school I was like in the paper for the new uh, for baseball. In high school, we won the state championship in baseball, too. So like You we did in all, high school? Yeah. I didn't know that. It was pretty cool. It was my junior year of high school, and we were stacked. I'm pretty sure our starting lineup, like all nine of those guys, went mm-hmm. on to play college baseball. So we were just really, really good. And we were projected to like win the state championship that year, which I don't know like if people don't know anything about sports, like... When you're an underdog, it's pretty hard to win mm-hmm. a, a state championship or a championship in general. But when you're expected to win and then you actually go do it, like that's still really hard. So we had like a lot of ups and downs that year. I was just an okay high school baseball player. I pitched. I played like left field and second base a little bit. Mostly left field my senior year. But the year we won the state championship, I pitched like ten innings. It wasn't it wasn't much at all. But we had we had a pro on the team. Like our best pitcher. Ended up going to NC State, Carlos Rodon, and he's playing with the Chicago White Sox right now. Oh, that's number, awesome. Number three overall draft pick. Did you know the Lord at this point? I know bits and pieces of this story from what you've told me. Yeah, I'll tell you the whole the whole story now. Um, when I moved from Rhode Island to North Carolina, you know, I was, I was just kind of like a confused kid. Um, I just, I had like a lot of anger and rage in me, and part of that was from things going on with my family. It was just hard for, like, a young kid to deal with. Um, I was kind of getting bullied, like, in my neighborhood and stuff. I always kind of had, like, this little chip on my shoulder where I was like, okay, like, if somebody comes up to me, like, I'm going to fight them. Mm. And I kind of just grew up, like, really angry, which people look at me now and they're like, you fighting? Like, come on. And I always Yeah, tell I know. People, You're, like, the like, sweetest guy. Like, yeah, no way. <laughs> no, I tell everybody I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. Mm-hmm. It's like the fighter was the old me, but that's not me anymore. So, anyways, we... Ended up moving to North Carolina, and um, I met a guy. I'm not going to say his name right now. 
I met this guy and he came up to me. Um, I met him through one of my friends and he shook my hand. And I just remember we were like meeting at a Sonic, like right down the street. Really? From, just like uh, you and your friend group? And Yeah, okay. we were just hanging out. And then I met him and he shook my hand. He was like, hey, like we'll meet again in the future. And I was just like, okay. And I just like, it was really weird. I just remember his smile like later on. So I ended up going to middle school. I still like didn't really know who I was. I had friends that would like try to bring Jesus upon me. Um, and just bring up Jesus in general to me because they all knew like my family was Hindu. They were curious about me. I was never really Hindu, I would say. Um, I think my family just grew up that way and they would tell me a little bit about it, but it never really resonated with me. And then I got to high school and I kind of had like a really difficult time with just kind of figuring out who I was felt like really misunderstood at times felt lonely I felt like people like didn't treat me right felt like I was a good guy but there was just a lot that just wasn't going right it seemed like almost everything was just like going downhill with my life and um did you feel empty yeah I felt super empty I went through like freshman year of basketball and like it didn't really go well at all and I was trying to like make things right baseball was okay at this point I'm like pretty good with baseball I'm just like a smaller guy like I was probably like five feet tall like 120 pounds or something so I'm trying to like put on strength and like trying to like keep up with the bigger guys I got to a point where like freshman year I was just really struggling and I got to sophomore year so freshman year of basketball I played JV basketball and I mean I was still kind of like the angry kid like I was getting Mm. in fights at practice like I remember there was like this 6'8 kid playing JV basketball and I was like cussing him out I had like people holding me back and I'm like ready to just start swinging I'm 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 pretty sure I did swing too but that's the old me anyways all that stuff was happening um I'm just kind of going through it freshman season freshman year still trying to figure out who I am uh even with like women and stuff just trying to like if I'd be interested in a girl like I like would freeze up and I wouldn't know how to how to talk to her or anything and then I go to my sophomore year, and then I was, I like didn't enjoy basketball anymore. You'd lost an interest or the enjoyment of it? Yeah, I was kind of just, I started to just get really depressed, and I was like, man, I don't want to play basketball anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I should just like stick with baseball. I had a good baseball season, and maybe I can just play baseball the rest of my high school career, and I'll yeah. be okay. So I like went into the summer kind of like afraid to even like bring that up with like my basketball coach the basketball coach like wanted me to play varsity I was like why do you want me to play varsity like I just want to play basketball like I don't want to do all this like work basically to Mm -hmm. play varsity basketball I don't think I really worked very hard like I was just kind of like cutting corners and my heart just wasn't in it I ended up making varsity (laughs) as a sophomore which is pretty hard to do sometimes yeah so I ended up making varsity and then I wasn't getting much playing time. I probably wasn't in the best shape, like, running-wise and things like that. But it got to, like, my uh, Christmas break. And, like, we came in to practice one day. And we just, like, ran the whole time. Christmas break is, like, the worst. Let's go run. Yeah, it it wasn't fun. So, you know, you're coming off of, like, all the Christmas food and everything. And we basically just got into into the gym and like you see trash cans in each corner of the gym and you're like all right Mm -hmm. where the basketball is at and Mm -hmm. we just started running and for the first time in my life like I'm like deeply depressed at this time too like I was trying to look for like a purpose in my life basically and I I didn't know like why things were happening in my life 
like negative things were happening in my life like constantly I really just didn't like myself Mm. and I got to a point where that practice like the first time in my life I've always been like a super hard worker if I were to get to practice or something I would always try to be the hardest worker I got to practice that day for the first time in my life I thought about quitting I just remember like he blew the whistle I ran a sprint. I didn't make the time. And, like, everybody, like, on the team's like, man, you're being soft. Like, you got to make the time. You got to do this. You got to do that. He, like, blew the whistle again. And then I, like, turned around, opened the door, and I walked out, and I never played basketball again. I had a coach that came out there, like, an assistant coach that I was pretty cool with. He was pretty strong. He, like, put me in a headlock and, like, tried to drag me back in the gym. And I, like... I threw him off me, and I was like, man, I'm done. Like, I don't want to play basketball anymore. I'm, like, yelling at him. And I, I didn't have the best relationship with my head coach. Part of that was, like, me being immature. You know, he would try to coach me, and then I would just, like, walk off the court, disrespect him, different things like that. Not who I am at all, but I was just going through it. I, like, was walking home that day. I, like, called, like, my pitching coach for baseball, and I was like, hey, I just walked out of practice. This is what happened. I called my dad. They were both just like, all right, just go home, relax a little bit. Like, we'll talk about it later. I ended up talking about it. Like, I wrote down, like, pros and cons of, like, quitting versus not quitting and things like that. And then the next day, I, like, went to baseball. And uh, I was like, all right, coach, like, I walked out of basketball, but I'm ready to, like, give all my efforts to baseball. Like, right when I showed up, they were like, yeah, we heard about what you did. They were like, we don't want to quit her here. So, like, as soon as he said that, I was just, like, completely crushed. I was, like, crying, walking home by myself. And then, like, one of my assistant baseball coaches, like, picked me up and was like, what's going on with you? Tell me. And I just told him, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I made a mistake or not. I just, I don't even remember what I said, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I was just like, I really need to, like, get some things together. That was probably at the first time in my life where I started thinking about my life to where I was, I was telling my parents at home that I wanted their support too because my parents were all about my education yeah but they were never really supporting me with my athletics like my high school was right around the corner I would just want my parents to come to my game so like freshman year of high school or something I score 18 points I'd have parents come up to me and be like hey great game great game where are your parents yeah and I would hate that question because I, I saw that a lot like yeah. with other friends and it broke my heart yeah. yeah it would break my heart too and I would literally just be like my response was just like oh they're at home like sitting on a couch I would hate to say that but like that's what was happening and that's how I viewed it I kind of felt like I didn't have support of my family and I was just looking for somebody to like care about what I was caring about too I got to a point that sophomore year after I quit basketball I was just really deeply depressed I went through my baseball season and it was awful I couldn't throw a strike on the mound if my life depended on it. The plan was for me to go pitch JV baseball and then get bumped up to our varsity team because we were going to be really good and I was going to help him win a state championship. Absolute opposite of what happened. I didn't get pulled up at all. I just had an awful season, awful attitude. And I got to a point where I was just like, you know what? I don't know what my purpose is. I don't like myself. I don't really want to be alive right now. So I got to a point where yeah. pretty much told my parents, I was like, hey, like, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought about killing myself. And my parents would be like, don't talk about that. Like, don't bring that up. I was like, no, like, I'm serious. Like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't think I would have ever actually gotten to that point. But basically, from that point on, I had a guy that came into my life. He 
the same guy that I met when I when I moved here in seventh grade. He messaged me on Facebook, and I joke with him all the time. I was like, dude, he said, hey, bud. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, hey, bud. And I'm like, all right, I think I remember this guy. Yeah. And like at this point, I was like, all right, let me see what this guy's talking about. And he was like, hey, bud, we should hang out. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. I had like friends in high school, and they were all kind of backstabbing me. And I felt like I couldn't really trust them. I was like, if this guy screws me over, I'll just add him to the list and it's okay. So I ended up going to my friend's neighborhood um, and he picked me up. And he's he's a little bit older than me. He picked me up, uh, took me to a pool. We just kind of swam around. And then I sat down at the table and he told me everything about my life, inside and out. Secrets um, that I never told anybody uh, ever. Uh, Did that freak you out? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, like, this is, yeah, that would be, like, red alert. Like, what the heck? Yeah, I said, uh, I literally was just like, who are you? And how do you know all this about me? And he was just like, hey, like, um, I have a gift. And, like, God speaks to me. Yeah. And he was like, God just, like, told me to, like, tell you this. And he was like, you can take it how you want to take it. But, like, that is, like, literally from God. And, like, he wanted me to share it. To you, so that's what I did. He told me about uh, the way I thought of people, the way I thought other people thought of me, uh, secrets that I never told anybody, secrets like with my family that happened in Rhode Island that I kept away from everybody. I just kept it bottled up inside, and I mean, it was literally like word for word. So I was just sitting there, like, wow, like who can know this stuff about me? I kind of felt like he was like stalking me. Yeah, I was just kind of spooked out, and I was just like, okay, like you know, I'd like to know like more about you. From that point on, he was like, all right, let go ask your friends about me. I was like, okay, sure. So I went back to school. I had a bunch of friends that kind of knew about this dude. And they were like, hey, man, he's weird. Like, stay away from him. He lies all the time. Like, don't, like, be careful. Don't get too close to him. And I'm like, okay. And these are all the people that I, like, consider my friends, but they weren't really my friends. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. And then I went back to the pool with them a couple days later. I was like, hey, this is exactly what they said. And I told him, like, what they said. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I hear what they say, but I was like, that's not me. I'm going to get to know you for who you are Mm -hmm. before, like, I kind of, like, make a final decision on you. And he was like, all right. So from that point on, like, he literally just, like, hung out with me. And he, like, showed me Christ, like, with his life. And he would indirectly speak the Bible to me. Pretty much, like, ask me questions like, what do you think about this? Like, in this situation, blah, 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 blah. And it would be, like, spot on from the Bible. I'd be like, well, I think this. And I would be agreeing with, like, the truth of the Bible. Eventually, like, it got to a point where I constantly was, like, agreeing with the Bible. And he was like, okay, well, he's like, that's in the Bible as well. And he would never, like, push me to it at all. He'd be like, look, I know your family, like, believes this and stuff, but, like, what do you think about this? It was just, like, he was just a cool dude to hang out with, and I loved spending time with him. And then from that point on, I was so intrigued with, like, like what he was displaying with his life. So he would prophesy things, and they would come to pass, like, simple stuff. Like, he'd be like, hey, that girl you're interested in, he's like... Don't get too attached to her because she'll break your heart if you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, literally, like, I'm like, nah, she looks too good. Like, I'm going to go hang out with her. And literally, I'm, like, thinking about dating this girl. And then I go to, like, a football game or something. And, like, she's, like, making out with another dude or something. I'm sitting there, like, okay. 
I'm like calling him like crying like, yeah, man. Yeah. She she broke my heart. This is what happened. Stuff was happening in my life that like would happen word for word of what he would tell me to happen. And literally everything I'm living in my life right now is like prophetic words that have been spoken That's over my amazing. life. That's God, God in my life. But the links that God will go to like reach his kids. Like it's for real. crazy, yeah. So um, from that point on, I was so intrigued and I was just like, hey. I want to know more about Jesus, and I want to like I want you to take me to church. Can you take me to your church? Mm-hmm. From that point on, he took me to church, and the first day I got in the church, the pastor like called me out to the altar. He was just like, "Look, I don't know who you are, but like God says you're a great man." And then like he blew on me, and I just felt the Holy Spirit, and wow. I was like knocked out at the altar. That happened. I like received the Holy Spirit right then and there. Later on, I ended up getting baptized, like water baptism and everything. From that point on, I just started like serving the Lord. I didn't tell my parents. I was yeah. pretty nervous about that. Did you tell your friends? Yes. Okay. I had a few friends that like were connected with me that that knew about it. Uh, so I started to like kind of learn about Jesus from that point on. And then my friend ended up getting me a Bible too. So I started like start reading the Bible like on my own. Um, and I was like, dude, I don't know what this stuff's talking about. <laughs> you gotta help me. Yeah. So uh, it was good. And uh, from that point on, I just started serving the Lord. Taught me how to praise God. Hmm. Just be thankful for yeah, like where like where God has taken me and where God has brought me. The amount of like restoration that I've had like with my family, uh, with my mind, the the mental struggles and the battles that I've dealt with. I don't really have those anymore. I mean, I still have my ups and downs. Being depressed, like literally, something was like in control. I was literally fighting against that, and now I'm like set free from that. I'm able to live like a life fully devoted to Jesus Christ, and it's really powerful. And I'm able to like share like how much God has changed my life because now, like, as on my phone, like I have the fruits of the Spirit on my phone. Yeah, I saw that earlier. <laughs> yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, yeah. and self control. I try to display that with my life every single day. So I put it as my background so I can like have it as a reminder. Now every person that I come across with, they're able to see the love of Christ in me. And even the people that don't know me or don't know Christ, they're able to see that, like, hey, there's something unique about that person. Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. And that's something I pray all the time is, like, God, like, let there be, like, a uniqueness that's you, like, in me. So when people see me, they're able to see you inside of me. I heard a friend say this just like a couple of months ago. And like, cause I, one of the practices that I did during COVID-19 was like, write the fruits of the spirit, like every day. And it was because she said that like, you can't operate in the gifts of the spirit if you don't like have the fruit. I love that you have that. Cause I feel like those are really overlooked, like the importance of it. Yeah. It's, it's changed my life for sure. One of the Bible verses I wanted to share yeah. is uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. The tongue has the power of life and death. So I'm always talking about like life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I actually say that to my players all the time because my players like they're like, man, I can't make a shot. And I'm like, yo, man, I'm like, be careful what you speak because I was like, you're starting to put these lies in your mind like you can't shoot, but you can actually shoot the ball and you're actually a really good shooter. And I was like, your percentages show that too. So when I try to teach my players like. And I don't know if I'm even supposed to do that at my school, yeah. but I'm able to just share something like that to where that can encourage them and give players some confidence. I'm pretty like conscious of that because I, I work with a lot of kids that come from yeah. like, all different backgrounds and things like that. Some, some come from good families. Some come from just really just broken families. Some don't have father figures. Some don't have mothers. Some don't have any money. So you kind of like realize 
all these things that they're coming through. So when they interact with you, like a lot of them don't trust you. Mm. And for me, I think the most important thing as a coach for me is like, I want to make sure that this player like trusts me with his life that like I got him like anything that he needs to be taken care of. He's going to be okay. I think I've been able to to do that here at Pensacola State and even even at my last job and previous place that I was at before too. So yeah, uh, I just think that's been very important for me. And that's part of my main thing is as far as coaching goes, it's just like, can these guys trust me? Because if they can trust me, then I can teach them. And if yeah. these guys trust me, then like when they're going through things in their lives, like I can help mentor them through their lives. They'll be willing to share things that they normally wouldn't share with me. Because you become like their home. Like you have college athletes who m- move internationally. Like they move to a whole nother continent. We have a player from Mali, Africa. Toronto. Dominican Republic. Yeah, Dominican Republic. Yeah. Yeah, we've had we've had all of those, and this year we're supposed to have even more. We're supposed to have a kid from Puerto Rico. We're supposed to have a kid from Mexico, possibly Brazil. You got to be very multicultural with these kids and yeah. make them feel comfortable. I bought Rosetta Stone for myself just so I could like randomly like pick up on some words where I can speak it in their language, and then. It may not sound anything close to what they normally speak, but I just tell them all the time, like, hey, I'm going to start yelling at you in your language on the, on the practice floor. Oh, I love that. And they're just going to, they just crack up laughing at me, like, coach, man, you're crazy, you're crazy. You cared enough to try and to bring a corner of what was home to them, like, into this thing that they're very unsure. I've been blessed, like, by my players to kind of see how they, how they love and treat their family members and things like that. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that with international kids too a lot. They're just really grateful for their opportunities. They work extremely hard. I love all my guys too. Yeah. Um, they've been great. You walked away from sports. Like, what was the door open where you're like, okay, I'm going to try it again? Was that extended to you? Did you just jump in again? How did that work? I won the okay. state championship junior year. Uh, senior year, had a great senior, senior season in baseball. I've always been the type of person that's like wanted to just help people and teach a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so like I remember like in Little League, I would like be playing shortstop and I'd be fielding ground balls and I'd be like trying to help the next guy like, hey, this is how you do it. This is how, this is how it should be done. So that's what that looks like when you're a co- like you have the coaching gift, but you're an athlete in the moment. Right. That's what that looks like. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Which is, which is part of like, I think what coaching actually is, is like me as a coach, I want to be able to make sure that I can coach my players to where they can coach themselves. So okay, yeah. I tell my guys that all the time. I'm like, hey, man, like when, when you're on the court, like you got to make the decisions. Like you got to have the confidence to make the right decision. And like that starts with your preparation here. It's not going to be me telling you like every move or every decision to make. That's not you being your own coach. So I think that's the biggest deal for me is like when I'm training a kid or somebody, I'm trying to help them to be the best that they can be so that they can teach themselves Yeah, that's how, to, how to make a decision. I went on to East Carolina. I wasn't getting recruited for sports or anything like that. I was just like, all right, I'm in a new chapter of my life. I'm going to go for academics, and I'm just going to be a regular student and figure it out from there. So I got there. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my Mm -hmm. life. I had no idea, really. I got to a point where my major was physical education or business. I knew my parents wanted me to go into business. (laughs) 
and I was like physical education break could, their heart yeah I could go like I could go teach in high school and coach basketball I was interested in basketball at that point I was thinking about getting back into it I was possibly thinking about walking on I like saw like one of the seven footers on campus and I like stopped him I was like hey man I want to help your program out like mm-hmm. what what do I have to do I like went to a couple basketball games saw him play I loved everything that was going on. I, I saw a few guys, like, helping out with some drills and things like that. And I was like, I would like to do that. So I reached out to the director of operations there. He was like, yeah, like, come on by the office. We'll meet. We'll talk. I ended up working at camp over the summer for free. Next thing you know, like, going into my sophomore year, I was like, hey, like, I'm going to just do this job for free. I started to help out as much as I could around the office. Um, I was around the coaches, like, whatever they needed. Like, I was making, like, PB&Js in the office <laughs> and stuff. Like, whatever whatever needed to get done, I was doing it. Because so that's I, the stuff everyone doesn't see is, like, that kind of work. <laughs> yeah. I think I killed the PB&J game Go now, on. for sure. So, <laughs> that was cool. I just, I had a great experience. Uh, I had a really good, like, friend group that I made. We used to call ourselves, like, manager squad. Mm-hmm. At, uh, at East Carolina, we would help out in practices all the time. I was learning a lot, being around really knowledgeable coaches. We were able to like play pickup basketball together, and it was just a cool like family environment. So yeah. I enjoyed that. I got to my senior year, and I I was like, man, I I think I want to like stay at the college level. Like I like this level, and then I wanted to get my master's degree. I was just telling myself like I I know how I am. I was like, if I go to work right now. I'm not going back to school. Hmm. So I said, let me knock out school while I'm young. Then I'll go from there. So I said, I went to our head coach, which was Jeff Lebo at the time. He was like a stud basketball player at a UNC Chapel Hill. I said, hey, coach, can you connect me somewhere? Like, I just want to like go be a graduate assistant, get into the business of coaching basketball. And he connected me with Coach Kraft at Gardner-Webb, uh, which is a small Division One school, pretty much in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. It was on the other side of the state for me. I didn't know anybody there either, but I was just like, yeah, like I'm ready to make it work. And I started working as a graduate assistant. It was like an unpaid volunteer graduate assistant position. And I like pulled out loans and just tried to make it work financially wow. just to just to serve and help and learn. Are you at all the time just like loving this? I love my experiences. I mean, it's a beast. You're You're working like... Yeah. You're working crazy long hours. Well, the only reason I'm asking is that you're just, like, dueling your time out there for free. And so I'm like, there had to be something that kept pulling you back. You just kind of learned that, like, you had to, like, people would always talk about paying your dues. Paying your dues. Mm-hmm. So I kind of understood that I had to, like, work my way and build these relationships with people. My main thing was just, like, trying to be around good people that would take care of me. I knew at that point, like, I was going to do everything I can to, like, help serve a program. If they're like really good people, like I wanted to do everything to Coach Kraft because I love Coach Kraft. He's mm-hmm. an awesome guy. And I was like, how can I help this guy be successful? That's what I was trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that for about a year and a half. And then midway through my graduate assistant position, I ended up getting bumped up to the full time role when my friend that was in the director of operations role, mm-hmm. he left for another administrative, administrative position. And then I kind of waited around for a couple months, but uh, Coach Kraft ended up hiring me for that job. So you got paid at that point. At that point. (laughs) So (laughs) that was awesome. I was making money for the first time in my life. And then I was still finishing up grad school. Yeah. 
which was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Working full-time, having no clue what I was doing in the job. I did it. I made it through. And I did it for about a year and a half. Best basketball experience in my life. Is that when you all went to March Madness? So the first year, no. First year, we lost in like the semifinals, I believe, of our conference tournament. And then in 18-19, uh, in we ended up winning the Big South Conference Championship. We went to... Campbell University to play like that's where is the that in Kentucky? Called. No, Campbell is actually in North Carolina. Okay, okay. It's in uh-huh. uh, Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. Okay, but uh, it was actually closer to my, my where my parents were, so they were able to come to some games, which is cool. We beat High Point University in the first game at Campbell, and then we ended up playing Campbell at home or at their place. And it was a packed out environment, and they actually had like an NBA player on their team too. Oh wow, yeah. Um, he was a beast. His name is Chris Clemens. We ended up beating them at home, too. The way the tournament was set up was the highest seed would host the championship game. We were a little bit lower than Radford University out of Virginia. Uh, We went over to Radford, and they were really good. And we were just like, we got our hands full. Our team was confident. We were playing really good basketball. We ended up going to Radford, and we did our thing, man. Our team came together, and we we won the conference championship. Oh, wow. And... uh, we booked our ticket to, to the big dance, March Madness. It That's was, awesome. It was an unbelievable experience. It was the first time in school history for Gardner-Webb University. Oh, and that's awesome. I love yeah. like history moments like that. It was uh, something I'll never forget. The whole area, Boiling Springs, North Carolina is where Gardner-Webb mm-hmm. is. It's a small town. It's like a one-stop-like town. Literally everybody came together. We had a selection Sunday party. And basically, it's like everybody gathers together, and then like on CBS, they like announce that your team is in the bracket. We're sitting there waiting, like figuring out who we're gonna play, what seed we're gonna be, things like that. Which we kind of had an idea we would be like a 16 seed. Basically, our league is like a one bid league, so one team yeah. that wins the conference championship, they end up going to March Madness. So we were just trying to figure out where we were gonna play. We were thinking, like, and my job was about to get crazy. I was going to have to deal with all the travel and everything like that. Yes, that's right. You were organizing the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm sitting there. It was pretty cool, like, going into it because it's the first time in school history, so nobody really has an idea. And, like, even our athletic director, he was like, all right, Sagar, like, what are we doing here in this situation? What are we doing here in this situation? I'm like, man, shouldn't you have these answers? (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. So it was pretty cool. Like, people were coming to me for stuff, and, like, your phone was ringing all the time. Like, people were trying to get tickets on things. We were trying to figure out if we were going to get on, like, a charter flight and go to, like, Salt Lake City, Utah or something. You know, you kind of hear all these rumors about where you're going to go, but you don't know until you actually get announced. So um, everybody's just kind of on edge. And then for me, it was like, okay, as soon as we get announced, like, I celebrate for, like, 10 seconds, and then I got to go do work. (laughs) We ended up being uh, selected to play uh, number one seed, Virginia, and we played them uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. I mean, it was like a normal bus trip for us, which at first we were like, oh man, like our guys don't get to go on a charter flight. Like they're not used to that. Like that would have been nice to give our guys an opportunity to experience Experience. like what higher level schools are doing. But 
uh, for us, it actually ended up working out great because Columbia was like two hours away from us. Yeah. So we Which were just what you to... all travel like normally. Yeah. yeah it was great because <laughs> literally we get to Columbia and I'll tell you this, like, like running onto the court with our team at the beginning of the game, I got to the court and I like looked around and literally all you could see was red and Aww. that was all Gardner Webb. That's so beautiful. it was unbelievable. The crap, like the floor was shaking when we ran out there. Gardner Webb fans were going crazy. And like you literally got out there and like I, I was like watery eyed on yeah, the court. Yeah. And I'm like looking around. Me and like Coach Luther, uh, who's like one of my mentors, and I like looked at him and I'm just sitting there thinking, like, man, this is like a once in a lifetime experience. Like, yeah. you know, some people like literally like coach their whole lives like work their whole lives to try to get to this moment and like we just got here and coach luther is coaching for probably like 20 plus years and that was his first ever experience we played great we were up 14 on virginia the number one seed in the in the in the country really Mm -hmm. and the year before they actually lost to a 16 seed so the media was kind of going crazy at that time and they were like hey like is it going to be two years in a row where a 16 seed beats a number one seed and, like, previously that never happened before. We got into halftime, and we got up 14, and then I think we were up by 6 at halftime. It was, like, 36 to 30. I mean, I had my phone on me at all times because I needed to, just in case, like, that was part of my job. Like, if, yeah, like, yeah, one yeah. of the coaches' wives or something needed sure. something, like, I was going to make something happen for them. I, like, got, like, an ESPN alert, and it was, like, upset alert. Gardner Webb <laughs> over Virginia. And I'm just like, okay, let me put my phone down. Like, that's so crazy, yeah. right? Like, ESPN, like, da-da-da. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so it was uh, it was pretty cool. And then we went out there in the second half, and we, like, we didn't play very well. And Virginia played a great second half. But uh, we ended up losing the game. Overall, like, my whole experience there, March Madness, was absolutely unbelievable. The things that you see on TV, the royalty that you get treated with was Mm. unreal. Like, I mean, we were getting, like, free deodorants and different things. (laughs) We were were loving that. Like, us just, like, small schools, like, we were were grateful for all that. Overall, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, I wish the the wind turned out differently, but we made history at Gardner Webb. Our community came together. Our team came together. I definitely feel like God's handprint is all over different aspects of the game. Like, yes, there are the parts where you're like, people can make it their identity, but like, God loves unity. To see a room full of everyone who, different walks of life, different colors of skin, like all wearing red, it matters so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, uh, and like basketball-wise for us, we were just going into uncharted territories. Mm -hmm. And like even job-wise, we're just kind of sitting there like, well, we've never been in this position before, so we don't really know what to do. I'm 22 years old at the time or something. (laughs) I'm trying to figure things out. I'm like, what do I do, God? Like, you got to help me through this. For me, it was just like, all right, God, like, you know, I know, I don't know what to do. So like, I'm coming to you and like, I'm just going to trust that you'll guide me through this to make sure that this is like the best experience for everybody involved. Did you think about on that day, like at all, like your story of like redemption, you walked out of ball practice, you know, and now you're like, at a such a big moment for your, your city. Yeah. The, pretty much uh, that was like going through my mind most of the time, like as I was kind of going through just my job as March Madness yeah. was going on. Um, and then when I got onto the court, I was just like super thankful. just praising God for like, taking me that's why I was saying like this is like a once in a lifetime experience and like 
a lot of times I'm like, God, like, why am I here? Like, why, like, why did you give me this experience? But that's like how, how cool God is. Like, I went from being a nobody to being a somebody and then walking out of practice to being at like a pinnacle of basketball. Yeah. Like the favor on your life that the enemy tried to steal. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, the enemy, enemy can't hold me back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. That's so true. Pensacola. Walk me through that. Like, how did you get here? Yeah. So, uh, East Carolina, I graduated with my undergrad in uh, health and physical education. My plan was to go teach high school and then coach high school basketball at the same time. Then I decided to stay in in college, went to Gardner-Webb and uh, got my master's degree, got hired full time. I did the director of operations job for about a year and a half. At Gardner-Webb? At Gardner-Webb. I felt like it was time for me to actually go give coaching a try felt like I maximized my position there, like everything I could do. Which that's a good place to be, right? Like that you like, I went as far as I could while running in that lane. I mean, I, I hope so. I hope I did a great job. I mean, Coach Kraft was a great head coach. He's a special human being and um, he did he did wonderful things for me. Yeah. But he pushed me hard um, in my job when March Madness was going on. Like, I, I mean, I couldn't sleep like I was trying to figure everything out to make sure his program was taken care of. Like, all of that combined, I just felt really prepared for, like, my next step. Um, And I had one of my friends tell me, he's like, hey, like, after you work for Coach Kraft, like, whatever you do the rest of your life, it's going to be a piece of cake. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like, you'll still struggle in certain things, but he's like, you've been through so much, like, working and doing multiple things at one time that... Like, you really know how to work now. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I maximized my position at Gardner-Webb. And I actually walked into Coach Kraft's office and was like, hey, Coach, I think I want to give coaching a try. Like, would you help me with that? And he was like, yeah. He was like, absolutely. He's like, I think that's a great idea for you. He was like, I- I'd love to have you back. I'd love to keep you here as long as possible. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's find you a coaching job. My thinking of it was like, I'm not going to sit here and, like, send my resume out to multiple people, which I, I did. But at the same time, I was like, that's not how I'm going to get a job. Like, Coach Kraft's going to help me. Coach Luther's going to help me. Like, all these guys are going to help me because of the work I did here. I told him, I was like, hey, Coach, when August comes around, this was towards the end of the year, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to return, like, whether I have a job or not. He was like, no, I don't want you to, like, put yourself in that situation. He was like, he's like, you can always come back here. And I said, Coach, like, I hear you, but, like, if I don't have a job at that point, like, like somebody else needs to do this job and then I need to go figure it out from mm-hmm. there. And he was all about it. And he was just kind of worried like that. I was just not going to make any money or anything like that. He was trying to like help me through that. And uh, my process that whole time, like I knew coach was going to hire like one of our graduate assistants. And I was like, all right, well, coach, like this is what I'm going to do. I have about two months here and I'm going to train our GA and I'm going to mm-hmm. help him with everything I possibly can. Like, the areas that I struggle with when I first got thrown into the fire with the job, like, he's not going to struggle with that. Yeah. And now, like, your program's going to be a step up better than than it would be if he just went into the position not knowing anything. I love that you did that. That's so generous. Yeah, so I uh, I helped him as much as I can. I don't know if it really helped, but yeah. I did help him, and then Coach Kraft ended up helping me get this job here in Pensacola. And I'm pretty sure that he just told Coach Penna that, like, I was working super hard, like, to make sure his program was left, like, in the best possible hands. And he just really respected that. And Coach Penna ended up hiring me out of, out of nowhere for that. Because the job that I have here is one of the best junior college jobs in the country. Mm-hmm. And, like, people have applied that have 
way better resumes than me. I'm just thankful that God put me here. Put me here with Coach Penna, who's a, a wonderful human being. Yeah. I took a pay cut coming here. I was worried about that. Coach Kraft's like, hey man, like just trust that God's gonna God's gonna take care of your life. Mm. And I was like, all right, Coach, like I trust you. And I was like, I definitely trust God, so I'm gonna roll the dice and like. Yeah. So I took a pay cut. Didn't know anybody in Pensacola. Now I'm here. I love my job. I love the people I'm around. He's given me like a, a great church to be around. I have just great friends and family here. If I ever need a home cooked meal, like I have people that can provide <laughs> that for me. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been really cool to see how God's been working. Yeah, I can't imagine like our circle of friends without you. And like you know, we love sports and to be a part of things. And so we've gotten like so much enjoyment by being a part of you it coming into our family but also like I feel like we got to we get to be a part of like your world like absolutely and I love that like I think it's so much fun and it's so weird because like I remember like I don't know if you know this but like before Chris and I even met like my family had vacationed twice in Pensacola like two years in a row and I remember like us going to the mall and doing different things and we would always drive by PSC I, if you had asked me if, like, if I would have, like, known, like, one of the coaches there or, like, had any connection with the school, like, God is, like, so cool in how he connects different things. No, it's awesome. And honestly, all of you guys that come to games and stuff like that, my head coach loves it. He's always oh. asking. He's like, man, is your church going to be at the game tonight? <laughs> like, because they get wild, too. Oh, and, yeah. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad that you guys have a great time with it and I hope more and more people keep coming. Like the amount of support that I have like as a coach is unbelievable. Like there's a picture of us after one of our games mm-hmm. and there's like literally 30 people from church just in the picture and it's like they all just came to like hang out at a game and and support me and then support our team on top of that, which is which is really cool. That just shows like how much though your character too. People are drawn to people who are life giving and like that just screams all over your life, like for sure. Amen. What is a rhythm that happens within your team every season that we may not like know about? If you can share. Uh, that's a great question. I think it depends uh, on each like program that you're a part of. At Gardner Webb, we actually read a, read a book by John Gordon okay. called One right. Word. Yeah. So we all had like our one word, and um, that was the year like we went to March Madness. So we got our one words engraved on our championship rings. Here, we don't have like a specific word. Um, we just kind of have like things that we're trying to like build in our players, whether it's discipline, whether it's character. Uh-huh. Uh, whether it's consistency and I think it just depends on like your team each year uh, so our staff will probably talk about things that like we want to want to bring together with our team and uh, a lot of our guys like I, I have like a couple guys that I talk to all the time that have been with me for a year now and I tell them now hey show up be disciplined and be consistent mm-hmm. and I talk to them about those things all the time because my thing is like hey when you show up you show up and you work really, really hard. And that way you're getting better. And now if you can discipline yourself on and off the court, now you're putting yourself in a situation where you're getting things done that will help change your life. And now if you're able to be consistent while doing both of those things, well, that consistency on and off the court will completely change your life. Hopefully that helps them academically and improving their grades. If a Division One college coach looks at one of my players and looking at his stats, like, hey, he shoots 42% from three. Um, he, he has a, a better assist-to-turnover ratio. Like, he's a consistent player. He averages 12 points per game, things like that. He looks at all these stats, and he's like, man, this guy's pretty consistent. Like, 
it builds trust for that coach because that coach is like, yeah, I can trust this, yeah. this player to show up. So trust is just a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's trust, like personal trust. Uh-huh. And then as coaches, when we put our players on the floor, basketball-wise, like we don't want guys that we can't really trust out there because you don't know what to expect out of them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. If I put a player out there that he could be hit or miss, like you don't know whether he's going to turn the ball over and give the other team the ball. You're thinking about that because when you play higher level basketball too, like one mistake in a game can make you lose a game. And our jobs kind of rely on winning too. If we know like, hey, this player is going to show up, he's going to give us 12 points, eight assists and five rebounds a game. Well, we're going to put him on the court Mm -hmm. and we're going to play him this amount of minutes because he's going to provide this and that gives us confidence. What is within an athlete that like they don't quit? Like, or even you, because you've been an athlete and then you're also like... To me, you, I feel like you hold even more responsibility because you're collectively in charge of the athletes. They're like, I can do better. I will do better. I think adversity, I think people in life like deal with adversity on a higher level than maybe some of like a player on a basketball court or something. But a lot of these kids, like they deal with adversity in their life too. So like if they come from a bad background or something, like basketball might be their only thing to help them get out of a situation. So if they're able to like use basketball and use education as a way to get out, like that's our job to help them when you're pushing these guys, like these guys also have like a competitive aspect to them where they want to get better and they're talented at what they do and it's fun. Mm -hmm. So when you're combining all that stuff, they're like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And we're like, Hey, like things are going to get hard. And when they get hard, are you going to like turn away and quit? Are you going to persevere and like get through this? And, like, you got to understand that there's people around you that care about you. There's people around you that love you. There's people around you that are going to encourage you. Stick with it even when things are getting hard. And I think those players, like, it really, like, hits them. I think our guys, just they just really push themselves to, like, want to get better. And that want to get better and want to have a better life and want to be at a Division One school, want to possibly play professional basketball in the future. I think all of those things are like forward future things that they're looking forward to that really just keeps them going. Like you got to have a why uh, of what you're doing. Like for me as a coach, I do a lot of work and at times like I've been burnt out before. I have to remember my why of like what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I coach basketball because I want to be able to mentor these student athletes and help them and help to mold them in their minds, in their mental and their physical bodies to help change their life. Physically, if a player is overweight and he wants to lose weight, like I want to be able to push him hard to where mentally he can fight everything that's negative in his mind to lose weight, to maybe eat healthier, to mm-hmm. like change the habits that will change him his life in the future, mentorship wise, education wise. Like some of our players come in and academically they may not have done great in high school and then they come to us and like we're able to help them and push them academically. You know, maybe somebody said like their whole life people have said, You're too stupid. You can't mm. you can't do this. Yeah. When they come to us, we're like, No, you're not stupid. It's people have told you you're stupid and you started to believe that lie. Yeah. Like you're actually very intelligent and I know that you're intelligent because I've seen this out of you and I've seen this out of you. And when you start to point stuff out in their life of like you're actually smart and they start to believe that about themselves and then next thing you know, you have players texting you and calling you coach. I got a 94 on my test today. I've never got a 94 on my life on a (laughs) test before. I'm like, how'd you do it? Coach, I studied. 
okay, all right, yeah. now we're on to something. Yeah, yeah. So those are my whys because a lot of times when you're going through difficult times, even as a coach or even as a player, it gets to a point where you're like, man, why am I doing this? And it may not happen right away. It may happen in the future down the road. You get phone calls like that, and you're like, wow, that, that really touched my heart. Mm-hmm. And I had a player at East Carolina when I was a manager, we were actually roommates. I just kept sowing seeds into his life, like, biblically, basically. I never saw any fruit from <laughs> yeah. it at that point. Like, yeah. he was trying to fight me at the times, and, like, he was just mm-hmm. not having it. And then I get a phone call literally, like, six months ago, and he's like, hey, man, like, I just wanted to call and let you know, like, I've been keeping up with your basketball coaching career. He's like, I'm actually going to play pro basketball in London. I gave my life to Christ, and oh, I, I, wow. he's like, I love Jesus. And he's like, I wanted to call and say thank you because I actually really looked up to you when we were at East Carolina. The seeds that you sowed into my life then, like, they're really paying off now. I never told you this, and this is why I'm calling now to actually tell you this. So I'm sitting there in my room crying, like, getting a phone call, like, saying thank you, Lord, for, like, blessing this young man. Yeah. It's really cool. Like, those are the things that you see, but that's the stuff that keeps you going and keeps pushing you to, like, want better and better. Man, everything you just said, like, I felt, like, straight to my core because, like, I feel like I face discouragement a lot, like, trying to figure out, like, what the step is for my life and purpose for my life. I have had moments like that where I feel like God's been, like, made it very clear, but, like, there's been a lot of moments where an example of, like, your your relationship with your roommate where I'm like, this feels so like I'm in a cave. Absolutely. It gets like that, but just keep going. Yeah. Just keep going, and I promise you, like, the Lord is faithful, and He's yeah. going to provide. He'll give you the right people. He'll give you the right connections. He'll put different skill sets that you need to, like, enhance your podcast and things like mm-hmm. that. The things that you think that you can't do, like, He's going to put the right people around you mm-hmm. to make you do. You love to read, so He'll give you the, <laughs> he'll give you the knowledge that you need. Like, yeah. like, what God can do blows your mind. Yeah, yeah. And I think we, like, as Christians, like, we forget about that sometimes. We think, like, we have to do it on our own power. But that's, like, God's like, nah, like, I got this. Like, just yeah. be still. Like, trust me. And I got this. And and he, he really will work miracles. He wants to work miracles in our lives. Are we going to be surrendered enough to be like, all right, God, like, completely take control of my life? You don't drink coffee, right? And isn't it for the reason, though, that you said, like, you want... Like, you trust God to give you energy? Yeah. God fully provided for your needs. Of like, says the man who doesn't drink coffee and yep. you're a coach. Yeah. It's crazy because I've had coaches where they're like, hey, you can't do this for much longer without coffee. And I'm like, watch me do this for much longer. Like, I'm going to be okay. Mm. And I always joke about it. I'm like, man, coffee's for drug addicts. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. Oh, my gosh. But, no, literally, uh, I, I literally, like, wake up and I say, all right, God, like, give me the strength that I need to, like, get through my day and glorify you. I try to take care of my body. Like I try to Mm -hmm. work out. I try to eat healthy. I try to get the right amount of sleep. And I I think working in basketball, like you don't get like eight hours of sleep. Some coaches are like monsters that get like three to four hours of sleep. I don't work that way. Like I need probably like six hours of sleep. Yeah. You listen to your body, you know. Yeah. So I I try to learn that like about myself. Um, Yeah. No, I don't drink coffee. I just trust God that he's going to give me the strength that I need. There we go. That's brilliant. I have like a speed round of questions I was going to ask you, but like other than that, like I have the last question unless there's anything else you want to add. That's cool. I think the only thing I'd like to share is uh, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
Mm. Uh, I just wanted to share that because I coach basketball and like a lot of my days sometimes get like caught up with all my work and things like that of things that I have to do to encourage whoever's listening to this like seek God first and like he's going to give you everything else that that you need whether it's strength whether it's wisdom whether it's knowledge whether it's a job whether it's finances like he'll provide all of that but God just wants to spend time with us. Mm. So whether we wake up in the morning to do that, like I love to get my day started with Jesus. And then I love to end my night with Jesus at the same time. Yeah. I just want to encourage people with that. Are you like in the word at night, like in the morning at night or just like, yeah. Yeah. That's why I was just wondering, like just practically to like, because you say spend time with Jesus, like everyone does it differently is what I'm trying to say. I love the actual physical Bible. um, Yeah. If I don't have the physical Bible or like I don't sit there and like actually read the Bible by hand i got my phone so i'm reading on my app or something i'm doing i'm always doing like a a bible study through an app and then at night i'm trying to actually read out of the physical book as well honestly my mornings like if i'm in the shower after i work out or something i just turn on worship music oh that's awesome that's That's really cool thanks for sharing that that's really cool okay i didn't give these to you because i they were like last minute but i was like i wanted to like end on like a a light note. So cool. I'll ask you these and then I'll ask you the final question if you're cool with it. So what's your favorite NBA team? Uh, I've always loved the Boston Celtics. Just like warm up music. What's a group? What's an artist? Probably some like hardcore rap or something. Like I, I don't know. I a specific artist. I think it changes every year. But growing up I used to like listen to Lil Wayne all the time. I think a lot of my players actually are like on some like newer artists. So they're always putting me on like yeah, new yeah, music. Yeah. And I kind of just jump into music with them just so I can like let them know like I know what, yeah. you're, I know what you're listening to. Like I, I know the lyrics to this. There's always like playlists or something that I can get on. But Do you have like a post-game meal? Um, to be honest, no. It no, depends. Okay. Uh, it depends on like. I feel like you're a very clean eating. Like you take care of yourself. Is that true? I really like to take care of myself, but I just like good food, and I have a yeah. crazy sweet tooth. So when it comes oh, to like right. ice cream that, yeah. and cookies and things like that, I gotta be careful. Well, what's your one big sweet tooth that if you're like, oh, I I want this in front of me like right now. Ice cream. No what's doubt. your flavor? Lately, it's been cookie two step. Bluebell cookie two step is legit. This is the second time that that specific flavor of ice cream has been brought on the podcast. It's cookies and cream <laughs> and cookie dough mixed together. High top or like low top sneaker and also like just what is your brand of sneaker that you prefer? Uh, honestly, like I kind of am a sneakerhead, but just being like around basketball, I've gotten like shoes like given to me for free. Right, yeah. So um, I'm definitely a low top guy, no doubt about it. Best basketball shoe I've ever worn were the Kobe Easters. They were super comfortable and then I could like get up and down the basketball court really easily. They were lightweight. It was nice. Brand, I would probably say Nike just because like that Kobe Easter was the best shoe I've ever put on my feet. Really? It didn't hurt my feet What at color all. was it? It was like Easter colored. Oh, I get it now. Okay. That's why. That's why I thought it was just like the Kobe. title of the name, but now I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to show you them, but no, they were called the Kobe Easters. I don't remember how I got them. I think my friend gave them to me or something, and I just remembered. I was like, man, this is the best thing I've ever put on my foot. Yeah, I want to see a picture of them. Okay, I know it's not coffee, but what is your favorite beverage? Water. Like I enjoy drinking water. I don't. Okay. I don't drink really juice or anything. I don't drink soda. I haven't drank soda for like multiple years. I do have like this one thing. When I get on, like, a flight, I always ask for a cran apple. Hey! Yeah, that's, like, <laughs> that's my bougie side right there. Only when you're flying. Yes, only when I'm flying. That's hilarious. A cran apple. 
well, you probably should splurge outside of the flying <laughs> experience, like, every once in a while. Just, like, treat yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah, but I feel like the ice cream and stuff comes in for that. Yeah. What about, do you have a favorite sports movie? Or just even a movie that you find, like, oh my gosh, when I watch this, like, I feel so alive and want to do great things, which that's how I feel when I, like, watch, like, a sports movie, usually. Yeah, uh, a lot of the sports movies. Miracle, it's a hockey movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. about USA. I love that one. Coach Carter, I love it. I think it's hilarious, and mm-hmm. it's just a good movie. Glory Road. Yes, so good. Love that movie, too. Remember the Titans is a classic. Those are the main ones that I can think of right then and there. <laughs> the yeah. Sandlot is totally the sand mine. Lot is I a love classic. the Sandlot. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's that's my favorite. Okay, I know obviously you're a coach of a college team, but like, what is your favorite college team outside of what you do like to follow? Are you allowed to answer that? Is that okay? Yeah, I can okay. answer that. Um, I don't know if it's a specific school. I start. I think I start to like get to know people at like different schools, and okay. you kind of have like. So it's a social thing for you. Yeah, it's like it's like hey, like my friend coach is there now, so like I'm gonna pull for his team when he's playing or something. I get that. That's pretty cool. I grew up a Duke basketball fan. Yeah, North Carolina. Um, yeah, so I I love Duke. They used to have a, a player, JJ Redick. He's playing in the NBA now. He's been playing in the NBA for a while now, but he could really shoot the ball. So. If there was a college team that I had to choose, like, it would be Duke basketball. I think everything they've done has been unbelievable. Because the podcast is called Still With You, um, I always just close by asking, um, where is God still with you? And you can take that question however you want. He's been there with Mm -hmm. me the entire time. Looking at my life, the job that I have, the area that I'm in, the people that I've been connected with, I've invited God into all those aspects of my life. God has literally, like, given me a, a wonderful job that people have, like, way better resumes than me. But mm-hmm. he's he's given me a favor to be in this position. God's blessed me financially. I went from making, like, zero money to having an actual salary yeah. to where I'm making money. And then, like, God also recently, like, allowed me to be debt-free. But that's, that's, that, a big that's thing. God. And that's that's a huge thing because now it's, like, all the money I make is, is me. It's mine. It's actually God's, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I know what you mean, though. You're, you're, he's loaning it, yeah. Yeah, um, and then in, in my relationships, really, God is mm. just... He's just placed me around, like, unbelievable friends, uh, whether that's in North Carolina mm. or whether that's here. Unbelievable people that he surrounded me with that love me, that would do anything for me. If I would ever lose my job, if I ever needed a place to stay, if I ever needed a car, like, I know God, like, would literally, like, use those people to, yeah. like, bless my life. I'm, like, super grateful for that. That's God. Like, God God is a legit miracle worker. I'm believing for him to work miracles in my life, in, yeah. in and through my life. But, yeah, that's that's where he is. He's been in my relationships. He's been in my finances. He's been in literally every aspect of my life. And I'll encourage anybody, like, invite God into every aspect of your life and just watch him do miracles. It's such a simple thing to do that we don't really do because... I think a lot of people just want control of their own lives, but when we give up control and we let God be God, then God can do amazing and wonderful things in our lives. All credit to God, absolutely. But like, you've been really obedient too, and you've 
shared things with Chris and I about just different things that you've done for students and people and been like really giving. I feel like it's really easy to be your friend, number one, but also like you truly are like inspiring to see like what you do, the behind the scenes stuff. Spending hours at the library, helping those guys with homework that you have a master's degree, like I know far beyond what they're going through, pouring hours and hours into that. And then like back to like even Rosetta Stone, like caring that much to like learn the names of their families build connection with them like that's rare and so I'm really grateful for that because that's pouring into our city you know and that's pouring into the people that talk about like proximity and like how God works like that's you giving back to like the kingdom you really like encouraged me I think people are gonna find that with your story and then um, I'm honored to serve Jesus and Mm. the best thing I can do is be obedient so thank you thank you for that I appreciate that that was really kind and sweet Guys, is he not the best? I told you, Sagar is a friend that you want to have around. He encourages you. He is so wise and so much fun. As I've been working on releasing this episode, I've been so anxious for basketball season. I cannot wait for the Pirates to start playing again. 2020 has stolen so much from us, but it will not steal our joy. We can still get behind amazing friends who are doing incredible work. Tentatively, the Pensacola State College Pirates will will begin their season on January 12th at Pensacola State College. So their first game is a home game. For more information, you can visit the Pensacola State College website. And again, this is the information that we have today, November of 2020. I will link the basketball season schedule in the show notes for you to find. Also in the show notes are all ways that you can follow Sauger on social media, along with the team's Instagram profile. It's really fun to see the players and just be able to support and follow what they're doing. You can find all of the official show notes for this episode on my website, coleybrowning.com. And if you ever need to connect with me, you can do so through the website or just message me on social media. I'm always there. My handle is coleybrowning. I would love to connect with you and hear what's on your heart, what you've been doing, any way that I can encourage you or help you. I'm just so thankful for you being here. Speaking of thank yous, I want to give a shout out to to our friend Lily Gray for sharing her song Lifted. This is from her album It's All Beautiful right here. Make sure you visit lilygray.com to check out more of her music and ways that you can connect with her. If you have a free moment and you love what is happening here on the podcast, leaving a rate and review for the show is more important than you think. It helps so much and I would be grateful for any feedback that you have. Enjoy your week. One more week before the holidays. I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorites and next week you were going to be joined by another favorite Pensacola local that you guys are going to love until we talk again be bold be brave be you and remember that he is still with you Uh